it is actually a huge blessing to be here. And I, I've, I've been uh, here for about, what, we've been here about a month already. And we were down in uh, Dunedin earlier, and then we've been in the Christchurch area and spoke at quite a few churches. But, you know, th- th- this already feels like home, you know, like we have uh, friends and family. It's, it's actually going to be a little troubling, though, for you guys, because I'm a real straight shooter. And so with my friends and my family, I, I, you know, I call black, black and white, white. So I have a feeling the message might be challenging. I don't know. Hopefully it's confirming instead. But uh, this is my beautiful wife, Lekana, who's uh, the biggest blessing in my life. Uh, I, I thought I'd be like Paul and live out my life single. And then God blessed me with this uh, godly woman and uh, who's been a Christian a lot longer than me. So and older than me, she says, you know, when it comes to Christian life. So. So, <laughs> but uh, so so she teaches me a lot, and 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 uh, one of the blessings of, of being here is is the relationships we're developing with the people here, the people that we met just briefly, you know, in in another country, in another culture, in another uh, setting and environment. Coming coming here and just uh, living with people and sharing life with them has been such an encouraging thing, especially for our marriage. And uh, I could go on and on about all these things. And uh, but Lekana Lekana would love to share uh, a Kamai worship song with you. Uh, it does repeat the hallelujah part three times. So if you, I, I, I know some of the people that have been in Cambodia three times must be able to follow the whole thing through. But uh, <laughs> no, I can't either. So, so don't, don't, feel, don't feel bad. But uh, yeah, the hallelujah part uh, repeats itself three times. And she just, she just wanted to share a little bit of that with you and a bit of the culture just for you to get a flavor, uh, flavor of Cambodia here before we start uh, this morning. And Mitch, uh, he was at the, at the village with us. And so they, they collaborated on, uh, on, on this. So I'll just give it to you. Thank you, Kevin. Um, this song, it has three different parts, and I just want to let you know what it's meaning in Khmer. It says the first one, it says, Let things press to the Lord. Jesus loved us um, in a really powerful love. Because of his love, he lived the heaven, come to the earth. But because of our sin, kill him, and then let things. Kill him, he go to the Father, and let things. Hallelujah and hallelujah. It's three times. Uh, and, and the next one, let things praise the Lord Jesus Christ in the power of God. Because of our sin, he sacrificed his life, but only three days, hallelujah, he rose again. And the third one, let things praise the Lord Jesus Christ save us. And because of his, um, his precious blood, and we, call, um, we are the precious of child. And we are righteous, and let's sing. Hallelujah. Okay. And you can sing Hallelujah with me after the first one.
Oop, it's me. <laughs> I, I have a broken arm. That's why I'm kind of doing this here. So, yeah. Um, you know, I, I said it might be a challenge a bit today, and I, and I think you brought it upon yourselves, okay? <laughs> and, and I'm going to tell you that because I was just filled with the Holy Spirit when I was I, I was sitting there, and they, they, oh, just a sec, I, I need my glasses. Oh, are they? Oh, here they are. Okay, I need my glasses. Need my glasses to find my glasses, eh? <laughs> but this is something that you guys said, and you said it power. You said it powerfully, and you sang it powerfully, and you said. We hold nothing back, you know? And I was sitting there, and I was, I was wishing it was true, you know? I was wishing it was true in my life. I was wishing, wishing it was true in every single person that's here. But we sing it powerfully, eh? We're here on Sunday, and we have a little bit of time, and we come, and we worship the Lord, and, you know, we believe it. I know every single person that's saying that today, I could hear it right and it was powerful and the holy spirit was filling me up there and i was so happy to have that feeling you know just a feeling of his presence and just alive in me right and the only way that can happen is if every single person that was singing that actually believed it so i have no doubt you guys believe that but we have another quite a bit of time in the rest of the week don't we a little more than a few seconds of, of uh, saying we give our all. <laughs> I fail him miserably all the time, you know. A lot of times I think we expect an overseas missionary to come up and, the, and, and they just tell you these wonderful things that are happening in the community and, and uh, how great it is to be following the Lord there. We got some pretty little pictures of the children smiling. You know, and we have that in our village, you know. And you guys have been a great help in that and encouraging uh, our community and encouraging us as missionaries. And, and we're really blessed. But it's a struggle, you know. It's a struggle to follow the Lord. It's difficult to follow the Lord. It's painful to follow the Lord. You know. I think of all the times I deny him. I have some scripture today. I just I actually, do you know what? I'm gonna put. I was gonna put it at the very end. Can you put that last? It's a bit of a challenge, I guess. Can you put it at the very last? Uh, the very last one up. This is the challenge. This is the challenge. Live a life, and it's in capitals for a reason, <laughs> and in quotations for a reason. That demands a kingdom explanation. There's no other way that we can explain what we're doing, why we're doing it, how we have that depth of love. There's only explanation is Christ. The only explanation. But do we go that deep? You know? Is it evident in our walk? Is it evident in our talk? Is it evident in our workplace? You know, I was talking to a lot of pastors in the last couple of weeks, and, you know, we were talking about New Zealand even, right? We are talking about New Zealand, and I think it was, I think the figure that came up was like 9% Christian or something like that. And I asked why. 
right? And one pastor told me there's, there seems to be a sense of complacency. There seems to be a sense of you do your own thing over here and I'm, I got my little church thing going on over here and we'll just leave each other alone and everybody gets along, right? I don't think that's the gospel. I'm going to read to you first about someone that denied Christ. We all know him, Peter. That terrible person, Peter. I used to read this scripture and I used to think, man, how could you, Peter? <laughs> how could you? You just, just minutes before or hours before, he just, he just put a soldier's ear back on and healed it. Right? You've walked in his presence. You know him deeply. Right? You say, no, Lord, I would die for you, is what he said. And then he denies him three times, right? So I'll read that scripture just so we get it. Uh, we all know it, but it's always good to read it. It says, then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. But when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you are also one of them. Man, I'm not, replied Peter. About an hour later, another asserted, Certainly this fellow was with them, for he is a Galilean. And Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word that the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. You know, and I used, to, I used to read this scripture. I used to go, Peter, you awful person. You know? And then I start to add up the times every single day that I deny Christ. It's a lot more than three. Sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm sitting in a slum relocation site in a, in, in, in a poor village in Cambodia, serving the Lord. Amazing things are going on there, as, as uh, some of the people that have been there can attest. Yet I fail miserably all the time. I was so happy when you were sharing just uh, a, a place just full of God's grace, you know, and just to take that grace in. And we need God's grace every day. I need it so badly. One of the things I say each... Uh, all the time is I need a swimming pool full of his grace on a good day. You know? And the endless depths of the ocean on others. But we have that, right? So what, what fear holds us back? What holds us back from actually giving our all? Just like we cried out there. What holds us back? So what's the difference between, between Peter and us? The next line of scripture is what the difference is. 
when he realized what he was doing, when he realized what he had done. This is where the difference is. Does anyone know what it says next? Exactly, Ruth. And he went outside and wept bitterly. I cry a lot. <laughs> my, my nickname back in Canada is the weeping preacher. So I haven't cried yet today, but it's not over yet. <laughs> not over yet. But it's, uh, yeah, I just think about all the times I deny him. And it's troubling. It's troubling. But do I actually get to the point where I'm so upset at doing it that I'm weeping bitterly about how many times I failed him today? You know? Oh, I accept his grace. <laughs> I do. It's the only thing that keeps me going. I couldn't do what I do without his grace. Impossible. But we have to recognize. Repent, repent means to turn away from, right? You know? It's not to do it again. And just seek his grace. Romans tells us a lot about that. This is the community. Uh, can you throw that old picture back up? This was a terrible, terrible day, right? There's a lot of images on there, so I'll just let it sink in. But it was a terrible, terrible day. Just the injustice of it all. And, uh, you know, many, many of you already know the, the history of our community, but it was violently evicted twice. The government came in, bulldozed down their land, stole their land, and dumped them in an empty field. Nine months later, they did it again. And then we, we joined them there. Can you, can you put a picture up that says Tonkiev on it? This is the community when we when we moved into it. People just were able to get a few pieces of old tarp or a couple pieces of stick to try to this was actually this was actually about a year year after. This was a year after they've already been there. So this is what it looks like a year after they were dumped in an empty field. And this is where God called us to join them. This woman's name's T. She's carrying her baby there. One day, Lekin and I were walking by this very little hut, and her baby was sitting in it, crying in a little little hammock, sweating, coughing, cold. You know, had a cold or or sick, and I was I was walking by and I was like, "Where is the mother?" Right? What a terrible mother. How could you leave your child like that? Sick, alone, you know? So Lekin and I gave the child water and washed him, watched over him, waiting to see where the mother was, right? The mother came back around 5 or 6 o'clock that, that evening, right? She had been in the rice fields all day for 12 hours to make $2.50. She had to make a choice, right? This mother had to make a choice. What do I do? Do I leave my sick child there? Do I take him out into the hot field? Or do I earn $2.50 so maybe I can buy some medicine or put some food in my child's mouth? That's not something a mother should have to decide, right? 
So this is where we enter in, you know. There's a couple of different forms of love, right? Filio, which is just like a like a, a friendly love or just a kind of thing love. Then there's sacrificial love, right? Agape love. This is the love that's shown to us by Christ. The sacrificial love. Shows us the way, right? So many people say they're followers of Christ, right? I know I would be quick to put up my hand if someone asked me, you know, when I was on fire for the Lord, and not that I'm not now, but <laughs> when I first came to Christ, eh, I'm on fire for the Lord. So I said, are you a follower of Christ? And I would be the first one with my hand up, right? But there's a cost involved. We want to join in the Lord for, for all the good things, right? All the good things. Let me find a good one. Well, I actually don't have to find it. I know it, but here it is here. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Right? Sign me up. Right? Sign me up. I want to be a part of that family. I want to be a part of the kingdom of God. How many here want that? How many here want that? We all want it, don't we? Man, so easy. We just have to put up our hand and that's it, right? What does it say next? I always like the, the there's always the next part, right? What does it say next? If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Fail him again all the time. It's difficult. It's difficult. God bless me, you know, to be able to serve the, with the poor here. It's really funny. It's like I get to go myself, my, my beautiful wife, Lekna, and we get to sh share with the poor who are put down, who are told they're worthless, who are told they're useless, who are told they have no skills, who are told that you're just like garbage, will dump in an empty field. I get to go and I get to share with them that they are first in God's upside down kingdom. That's what I get to do. No better job in the world. But then again, it's painful. Because we have to enter into a place that's so difficult. I know I've shared this with a couple of teams that, that have come, so please don't give out the answer too quickly. <laughs> but can you put up the word compassion up there? A lot of times we dilute words, right? We dilute words in our language, and it's like, um, so how have I said it this week? Chris, said, Chris, just before I got up, said, I hope you got a different message because, you know, I'm kind of tired of that one. <laughs> Just put some pressure on me there. You put some pressure on me. But but this part I really want to share with you guys. This part is one that I really want to share. Like what 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 do you guys consider like a compassionate person? You know? What would you say? What are some of the things they might do? Anyone wanna just throw something out there? Care. Yeah, very good. You have to care for people. Anything else? Share. Give. Sorry? Listen? Yeah, very good. 
love. Now, just pretend it's in the scripture and then there's the but part, right? Okay. This is what the true definition of compassion is. To suffer with. Wow. A lot deeper than we thought, eh? Not just a couple of hours volunteering in the soup kitchen. Not just donating a few dollars. To actually entering into other people's suffering. We enter into it in a place that it becomes our own. We have to be that close to people in pain and in suffering. Their pain has to become our pain. You know why? Because we will do everything we can to alleviate our own suffering. <laughs> we need to enter into it at a depth that we just, you know, that's why. We'll do a lot more. A lot more. We'll go a lot deeper. We'll do anything we can to alleviate that. Sometimes we choose bad ways. You know, in my own, in my own life, I have a life of addiction in the past. I chose another way to alleviate the suffering in my life, right? It just created more. <laughs> but we have to take on suffering at a depth where, where it becomes our own. Like, like if we look at, look at Christ himself, right? We look at Christ himself who came down and suffered with us understood as a, at a human level and also suffered for us and that day on the cross you know I, I, I find it really difficult just a few weeks ago right we celebrated him rising from the dead right we, ce we celebrated it I have this picture I have this picture of uh, I'm, I, I'm one for act of nonviolence and I, and I, and I co-lead a group called Christians for Social Justice in Cambodia. So I don't really like war pictures <laughs> too much, right? We see enough violence. But I have this picture. Have you ever seen a movie like, uh, I, I don't have the exact movie or anything, but like a Braveheart type scenario, right? You know when the two armies are coming in and they're clashing together, right? And they're yelling across the field and they come in. Then the battle is on, right? So the battle's on. But there's that moment in the battle, right? There's that moment where the other side recognizes victory, right? There's that side when the others start running the other way, right? So obviously the one, the, the one side has won, right? See, we're on this side of the cross. Victory. We're joining, joining the victor. That's what we're doing. But what do we do? We see the enemy just scattering and running away. But what do we do? We ah, we set up this little comfort zone that we can just stay in. And what ends up happening? The enemy's job is to seek, kill, and destroy. It's the, the enemy's job, yeah, it's running away, but he'll circle right back around. We build up these walls so we don't have to suffer. You know, not it, it's, it's some of the kind of ways. I, like I, I'm from Vancouver, Canada. You know, and so it's a fairly built-up city. So, um, well, I guess Christchurch was at one time, but but uh, but um, we we can go from our, our our condominium in our underground parking, drive in our own car to an office building, park underneath, go up to our office space, and come back, and never have any interaction basically with the world. We don't even know our neighbors. 
We might pass them on the elevator and just say hi. We know them. We know they're from the building. We don't engage with them. We don't know them. And that's just our neighbors. And then now we have the poor. We distance ourselves from them even more. Just, just having our own vehicle instead of taking the bus. You know, there's simple things that we can do to interact with the poor more. We can spend time where they are. I know Jesus is. I'm blessed, you know, like God called me to, to a place in Cambodia and I get to spend all my time with the poor and I get to learn so much. You think sometimes that you're coming to bring Christ to the community, right? Jesus is there. I just get to join in with him. And that's what this church has done. This church has joined in what, what Christ is doing in Cambodia. Some with uh, hearts are already tempting them to get there, I think, <laughs> that I know of. With others, it's, how, how does it change us? Like, if we want to see the world change, it starts right here. Because how, we, we need God to transform us. We need God to like take this brokenness that, that, that in us and, and transform it in a way that it will help others. You know, I read a thing very early on in my Christian walk. Like when I say that, I mean like the first week, second week I became a Christian. And it said Christianity isn't simply about the avoidance of sin, right? But becoming so full of the Holy Spirit that it overflows and affects others eternally. That's powerful. But what did it take? It takes time with the Lord. You know? We have to spend time in the Word. We have to spend time in fellowship here. I, I, I love church. I really do. It's a passion of mine, and, and it's also the most frustrating thing for me, too. Early on in my walk, I was reading the Word, and it's this powerful, powerful stuff. And then I'm looking around, and I wasn't seeing it lived out amongst the people that called themselves Christians. I wanted to live out this kingdom, all these kingdom values. I wanted to so passionately live it out, but where do I learn? I went to many different churches. Right to the point that my nickname was Church Bell. I think I might have told some of you guys that before, but it was Church Bell. If a church bell rang, I, w I ran off to a service. And I go everywhere, searching and searching and searching. And I was blessed. God brought me right to a community, right? This Christian community that was living it out, living out the values, sharing what they had, living in community, sharing the word together, breaking bread together, and seeing many people come to Christ because of it. It's a beautiful thing when you get people sharing what they have. Beautiful thing to see. It was really funny when we had a, we had a visionary meeting with the community. And we just want to see what kind of community do you want. And it was really hard to pull out. First, we started with the skills that they had, right? Too often we look at situations where, where um, you know, like, like the community, we say, oh, we got to build a house or we got to do this, right? Everything else. No, we started off with what do you have already? Right? So difficult. The poor are put down so much, right? 
it was hard to get out the skill sets. Oh, I'm a builder. I'm a fisherman. I, I can cook. I can do this. But we, we, when it started to roll, eh, then they, you just saw it change. People were excited to, to, to say something else that they had, right, already. But too often we look at the poor and it's just, it, it's, a, it's a need we think we can fulfill or something. Or we can fix that problem, you know. We only have to put some money into that right but it's heart changes that need to happen our community has gone through so many it's just been amazing you know just to see see the difference in the community you, uh, Chris has probably seen the difference even in a year he comes back in the next year you know we do have those children smiling we do have them eager for education right but there's these heart changes that the poor have like we, we've gone from um this place of brokenness. I'm not sure if, if uh, did I did I share with you guys the word? Uh, oh, I guess I guess half the people weren't here anyway, so I will anyways. But but uh, the, Jesus, there's two Greek words Jesus can use for the poor, right? And and one is painas, okay. And what it what it means is like the working poor, right? They have a job, they're barely getting by, you know. And that's where this community was before. They had jobs like selling snails, collecting bottles, you know, um, small little businesses. Right? They were that, at that level of poverty. They were the poor at that level. And then what, what happened is they come in and they bulldoze them down and they get to this other level of poverty. This other level of the poor. And the word Jesus uses is patokos. Okay? Patokos means destitute, barren, hopeless. Different level of poverty. We look at poverty as material things, right? A lot of times. I think Mother Teresa said the poverty of loneliness is one of the biggest things of poverty. But anyways, we entered into this place, and that's where they were at. They were destitute, barren, and hopeless. And we get to direct them to put their hope in Christ. That's what we get to do. We're so blessed. The things like sometimes the teams come and they see how we live and we live quite simple and we only have a bucket shower and it's hot. What's that? Squat toilet. Yeah. I think we're going to put a real toilet in for the team next year when they come. So maybe the next next batch will have it a little easier. I wouldn't mind one myself, actually. But <laughs> but I can say it's for you guys. I can say it's for you guys. But, uh, but though... The, 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 that's nothing compared to the joy, you know, the joy of, of serving in that community, the joy of seeing their lives transformed, to see their hope change. The poor only get enough time in the day to just think about themselves, how I can survive that day, how can I get food in the bellies of my children today. They don't get to think about the future. They don't even have anything to hope for because their day is taken up and just barely subsisting. But we've seen a change in our community. The home, the, there's, there's homes that have been built, right? We planted these mango trees. We never thought these mango trees would be a big thing, right? We just put it in because there's no shade, as you saw in that picture. Maybe go back. To, oh, they're not paying attention. That's all right. <laughs> but anyways, the mango, the mango, the mango trees, the mango trees uh, we planted. We planted 500. We planted one in front of each house. Right, and uh, 
we, we, we thought it was just going to provide some shade, some sustenance, you know, a little bit of mangoes in the future. We weren't really thinking beyond that, right? But then we had one guy, he came up and he just uh, said, we want, I want to move the window. We were building the last of the homes. We built all the homes, by the way, 90, 92 homes. 92 homes. God has really blessed the community. But he asked to move the window, right? And we're, why, why do you want to move that window? Right? And he goes, because I want to reach out and I want to grab the mango from a mango tree. The mango tree is only this high right now. It's going to be three years until it gets to that height. But he's already looking towards this future. He's already looking and saying, and they were talking about it, how beautiful this village is going to be. It's going to be these trees. God's creation, right? It's going to be these trees that provide sustenance and shade, and our village is going to be like Mango Village, is what they said, you know? But what, what have they done? They've gone from that place of just barely getting by today to thinking of their future. But the tree is tangible, right? The tree is tangible. It's right there in front of them. They can touch it, right? They've seen trees grow before. They know about how long it will take. But what about the farm? You know, this, this dream, this vision, this so far beyond that. So what did they do? They came to us and they said, can we invest a little money in the farm? Right? So they came up with $2 a month for two years, which is a lot of money for them. Sometimes they make it, sometimes they don't. That's all right. But we started a fund in the, with the community leader and Lekana have an account and they put, put their money in and they've raised themselves over $4,000. They've invested their hard-earned money that they have little of into this future dream or vision. And who do they thank for everything that's happening in the community? They don't thank Lekana and I. They try sometimes. Yeah. They did it first. We wouldn't allow it. We wouldn't allow it because it's Jesus that's providing everything. I've actually had difficult conversations and even relationships that have gone astray because people wanted credit for what they were donating. They wanted their picture with the family, with the things saying thank you and things like that right and I said no I'm sorry Jesus provided it all but we get to share that with the community and, and when they come back now that they, they might say say we help them get uh, their child to the hospital or something like that and they'll come and they'll they'll say thank you Lek, and they'll stop themselves halfway go thank you no, no, ate, ate, which means no, no. Akun pregisu, which means thank you, Jesus. The, te the, team is, the teams have been blessed because they've come along and they've seen, they've seen, they've seen uh, uh, Kakada and her mom, who her mom has thanked the Lord for dirt. She was able to put this much dirt. She got a little job just cutting some, some uh, palm leaves to make baskets. And she got enough money to hire a couple guys in the neighborhood to bring her over some dirt and put this much dirt on the bottom of her place so it wasn't wet. And she's thanking Jesus for the dirt. When was the last time we thanked God for something, what we think is so small? He provides everything for us every day.
I told you I, I struggle with the church too, right? I struggle with the church, and it's because of my passion and love for my brothers and sisters. You know? I sit there and I struggle. Probably the biggest thing I struggle with is Facebook. <laughs> you know, here I am in Cambodia. And I'm looking at my friends and what they're up to, what they're putting their hard-earned money into, how they're spending their lives. And pre pretty straight up out there about it all, too. <laughs> kind of joyously proclaiming what they're doing. And, and, and there's this pain that just happens to me. It's not, it's not being judgmental. There's a difference, eh? But there's this pain that happens, and, and I'm not, I want to read what Paul, Paul's pain, right? And I'm not there, guys. So I, when I read this, I'm not there, okay? Listen to Paul's pain. I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it in the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off for Christ for the sake of my brothers. Paul would give up his salvation if it was possible. Wow. I'm not there, but I do understand his anguish I do understand the pain that he has for his brothers that are not following the Lord I don't I don't I, I don't know it's not up to me right not up to me to point out one of the blessings I'm just going to say one of the blessings of coming and speaking to a church that I don't know how your church runs right I don't know what I don't know what you what what uh, let's say problems you have in your church or I'm not pointing out like one thing that I saw that I don't like because I, I, I'm, I'm just uh, blessed to be here for the first time right so I'm talking overall right I'm not coming from a place of judgmentalism. I'm coming from a place of, man, I want you guys to be the guys that we're singing right here. We hold nothing back. I told you the weeping feature, right? <laughs> but that's where my pain is, right? That's where my anguish is for the church. that's not this church right I think um, can you put up a quote by my friend Nigel I love this quote I, I'm a quote guy I really love quotes and this is my friend Nigel. He's a South African. He's a white man of privilege. And he decided to move into Hillbro, which is the worst neighborhood in Johannesburg, with his family of six. When we sacrifice because we love, deep joy is released. 
And soon we find we are not living a life of sacrifice, but a life of love. It's difficult sometimes because we'll have someone come to the community like your, like, like your team. And they're very encouraging, so encouraging to us when they come and they talk about what we're doing and how great that is that we're following the Lord there and everything else. But, but to us, <laughs> we're not sacrificing at all. You know, it's right here. We might have started out thinking we were sacrificing, right? But when we do, when we do sacrifice, this is what's released: this deep joy, this deep love. The word says, "Be imitators of God." Therefore, as dearly loved children. And live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fact, fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. I think we can sacrifice more than we are now. I think we can sacrifice to the point that it's just going to turn into deep joy and love. But there's a painful process. We have to get through it. But the thing is, we're not getting through it alone. When we enter into other people's suffering, where yes, we are entering into their suffering, we're taking it upon ourselves, but guess what? We're doing it with the Lord. We have a place to lay it down at the end of the day where we can just go here at the foot of the cross and lay it down. That's the only way we can survive. We can't take on other people's stuff. We can take it on enough that we understand the suffering that they're going through so we can try to help alleviate that. Can you just put that by oh actually put put a quote up by by Mr. Johnson. I love this one. It's not normal for a disciple of Jesus to not have an appetite for the impossible. It seems impossible the things that we are wanting to see in this world, right? It seems impossible that the suffering could end. I had, I had a pastor friend of mine, and he, he shared that we don't have enough dreamers in the world today. And he said, uh, when we dream small, our prayers are small. And when we dream big, our prayers are big. And when those prayers are answered, we know it had to be God. Man. We dream big in the village. Right from the very first start, I had, I had the first visionary meeting with the community, and we came up with this concept of the farm, right? Provide jobs and sustenance and, and uh, food security and land security, all these great things that, that would happen. And then I turned to them. I just said, come up me and loy, which means I have no money. I had $15 in my pocket at the time when we started our ministry. Impossible. You know, how could we, how could we even start? Well, we start with prayer, right? We have to put everything into Him, and I know that you guys have been praying and supporting us and doing everything. I just we're so grateful uh, how much of an encouragement it is to have people behind us and back here that understand that you know like some of your team members can come back and and 
I, I really hope that you give them an opp opportunity to share with you in a different way, in a personal way. Sometimes when teams come back, I think it, it's like you almost think they went on a trip, right? But there's some deep stuff that has happened within them. Chris shared with me some of the best things about a mission trip are more ministry can happen in those couple of couple of weeks that you're away than you can do in the whole year, the intimacy of the group together, you know, but allow them to share that with you. Not, not, not just the minutes that they get up here and that they, they're able to just uh, share a little bit about, you know, the mission groups they met and everything else. I did listen to the sermon where they were <laughs> able to share a little bit, right? But it's deeper than that. Ask them, ask them what's going on inside. How's God changing you? How's God transforming you? What did it do for you? Right? And allow them that time to share. And you know what? Maybe you'll get a little bit of that going on in your own life too. And seeing, oh, you know what? That's pretty amazing. I need that intimacy with God. Nothing, nothing happens without that intimacy with Christ. Nothing. That's what we need. And we have that intimacy with Christ. Everything is possible. Everything. I know I've, I've gone on fairly long, so I don't know. I wish I had more time because I, I, my own my own my own testimony. It takes too long, and my wife's testimony. So I think some of the women were blessed to be able to. Uh, listen to Lekana and just her share how God's moved in her life, how she puts her trust in God completely, how she has, didn't have a single skill set that she has today when she, every step of the way, I, I can't do that, but God can. I can't do that, but God can. I don't have that skill, but God can use me. That's her testimony over and over and over again. Let it be your testimony. No, I can't, but God can. No, I can't, but God can. Okay, I'm gonna put that put that first first quote up for me, please. That that uh, little challenge, and that's just what we're gonna leave it with today. Live a life that demands a kingdom explanation. Like I said, I fail them all the time. Don't think I got it all going on, guys. <laughs> Right. Live a life that demands the kingdom. How that's going to work out for you, I don't know. What God's calling you to do, I don't know. But when you're intimate with Christ, that still small voice, you'll hear it. Just like I did. Just like Lekana did. Just like Chris and Ruth did. These guys encourage me so much in what they're doing right now. You know how powerful that is to step down from, let's say, a so-called position to give it all up? They, they don't know what that's going to look like. They have children that they have to take care of. They have no idea what's ahead of them. But what are they doing? I trust in you, God. I trust in you. So as we go out this week, I just pray that you put more trust in him than you had today. You know? And you live a life like this.